Blog Talk Radio. This <laughs> land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Yet, and I am calling for a, uh, a mulligan. Uh, I've had a very interesting week. Uh, right after the show uh, last week, I came down with Omicron, uh, so I, I can speak more um, um, from a position of experience regarding the coronavirus than I could uh, previously. Uh, it is an interesting uh, situation. I was going to report uh, last week that the uh, national statistics are were at the during the first week of December that you were five times 500 percent less likely to get the coronavirus if you had uh, uh, the two vaccines plus the booster now, five times is a lot we're not talking about 10 percent less likely or 50 percent less likely or 99% less. No, we're, the fact is that uh, here for America, at the first week of December, you were five times less likely to uh, get corona. And it's even more telling than that. Uh, the likelihood of serious disease requiring hospitalization and uh, or a mortuary death uh, was 15 times greater. For the unvaccinated. So worldwide, what uh, we had experience in December and the months prior to that was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It was serves you right uh, kind of thing. Um, and so something happened, though, that uh, was um, unexpected. We always know that vaccines are not vaccines, that the viruses mutate and their standard mutation pattern is to become more virulent so that they infect a higher percentage of people more readily and less lethal because they don't want to kill their host because they can't survive without a host. 
And so here comes the most modified version of the corona of all. Uh, it's called Omicron is the name that we're ascribing it. And it's a wildfire. It could be in a country two weeks and become the dominant strain. For those that don't know, they um, haven't been following it. Uh, the new cases of coronavirus in the United States have tripled from their previous high. So this time a year ago, uh, we on the worst days had 200,000 new cases. And now we're having 600,000 new cases a day. That's a staggering number. Mm-hmm. In a country of, of 325 million to have 600,000. Those are the tested positive cases. And I'm here to tell you the actual number is somewhere between 10 to 15 times that. And there's a reason for that. No one in their right mind is going to get tested now. They're not even tracking uh, uh, coronavirus uh, positive testes uh, anymore. Uh, the numbers are just too staggering. There is nothing that can be done to stop this. And what's interesting about that is that um, prior to this time, mm-hmm. the numbskulls that claim that they are following the science and are doing exactly the opposite, like Fauci, would have you believe that the compassionate and scientific and responsible thing to do was lockdowns, shut down business, deprive people of their liberty. It was completely and utterly ineffective. All it did was destroy the currency, destroy the economy, destroys people's character, destroy their lives. It was devastating for children, devastating for women, devastating for those who had psychiatric problems or or drug and alcohol problems. It was many, many, many times worse than the virus. And yet, they won't apologize for it, the liberals. They want to do the same thing. And now we are dealing with something that literally is a wildfire being pushed by hurricane gust winds. Virtually everyone is going to get Omicron. Now, that's not just a bad thing. The third uh, booster, the first booster, the third overall shot, in the vaccine regimen had a 10-week useful life. After 10 weeks, it was only 35% effective. And so uh, while it has a tremendous effect against the Delta variant, still the 90 percentile, and while it will keep you out of the hospital and it will keep you out of debt, which is always a good thing, you have many more options when you're not in the mortuary. There are considerably more people who recover in hospitals than in uh, funeral homes. And so there was still a, and is still, a huge advantage of being vaccinated. But the, this uh, virus uh, is, is beating the vaccines. And so we have zero chance of vaccinating our way out of it. Um, we are going to 
uh, going to go through a, a really rough patch here. Now, it's not that, that uh, Omicron isn't deadly. It's just that its death is very rare. And if you're vaccinated, well, no one has died of Omicron that has been triple vaccinated. No one. And while there are hospitalizations of triple vaccinated Omicron victims, the percentage of the population hospitalized with serious illness is about the same that you would expect from the flu uh, or from uh, a cold or just the run mill things that go wrong in people's lives. Uh, but one of the things that's really positive about it is that for most people, the symptoms are more like a really bad cold or a really bad flu. You get the runny nose, you get the fever, you get the cough, you get the uh, body aches and pains, you get fatigue. Um, with a minority of people, about a quarter of them, you lose your sense of smell. With about half of that, you lose your sense of taste. And one of the unique symptoms is an overall excruciating headache that nothing treats. You could, you could eat a hamburger of, uh, of Excedrin migraine, and it would still mock you. And that's the headache that I got. Um, and so the reason I'm calling for a mulligan is I was payday today for some of the workers here uh, uh, remodeling this, uh, this home. And uh, the last guy that was here, I wrote the date um, twice on the amount line. <laughs> so you're just going, okay, do it once. Oh, that's that's embarrassing. Do it twice in a row. Okay, something's wrong. So there's a possibility that I will trip over my tongue. Now, that happens to be a, uh, finish the, the, the Omicron story, and then I'll, uh, I'll tell you about tripping over my own tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the okay. Omicron, because those who are triple vaccinated and get Omicron, the initial indication is that their long-term immunity is vastly superior to the vaccines alone. And it, there's, there, it, it, it's not only greater length of time is the indication, because we're seeing a, a very slight drop-off in antibodies versus a fairly rapid one, but you get super immunity. So this could be the perfect uh, storm uh, for uh, solving uh, corona. You're still a nincompoop if you don't get vaccinated, um, and you're risking your own life and others. Uh, but so be it. Uh, conspiratorialists are not the smartest people in the world. In fact, they're probably the least smart. Um, but that's where we are. On stammering from time to time, I sometimes trip over English words and very often trip over Hebrew words. And um, when I began this show, it was uh, Jim Doyle that was the one that prodded me into doing it probably now 15 or more years ago. One of my concerns was I don't want to embarrass Yah. I could embarrass myself. At that point, I really didn't. When you went on the front page of a national magazine, uh, throwing you uh, into a manure pile, um, you don't much care about embarrassment. But we were endeavoring to represent Yahweh. 
and you don't want to make a fool of yourself. And I was really quite concerned that my diction, particularly on Hebrew words, would be a problem. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to stick with writing because in writing you have a chance, particularly when you have world-class editors and fact-checkers like we have in the Covenant family, you got a chance to get it right, think about it. And, and um, uh, the spoken word is a very different thing than the written word. Yahweh has an overwhelming preference for the spoken word. But in the second volume of the Introduction to God, which is now available for purchase. Uh, Jackie did a marvelous uh, job on it. The edit team did a marvelous job. Uh, it's now available for purchase. One of the, and it's in the top three books out of the 20. Um, I'd say that the Introduction to God 1 is probably the single best book uh, we have compiled. ITG 2 would be a second. And then the Moed, uh, Volume 6 of Yada Yada would be the third best. Um, one of the things that God says over and over again is that his final witness, the Goy who shows up in the last day to um, knock some sense into uh, his people, that not only does he speak a foreign tongue, his diction isn't so hot. Uh, and so it's really funny in a way. Yahweh introduced his name to the world through a mumbler. Uh, I say mumbler and, and Moshe. Moshe, when you read what Moshe said, uh, that guy was, well, I think that he is, he passes even Dode in terms of being art, brilliant and articulate. Uh, but he, nonetheless, he thought that that was a qualification for having the role of introducing himself and his name to the world, somebody that did not pronounce words uh, very well. And so now that he is reintroducing his name to the world, he picks someone whose diction isn't, uh, isn't very good. There's a few items of the news that I wanted to, uh, to share with you. Um, one mm -hmm. is on the Ukraine. Um, now, the Ukraine doesn't like to be called the Ukraine. They just want to be called Ukraine, uh, which is why I call them the Ukraine. Uh, I don't like the Ukraine. I don't like the Ukraine because in terms of Jew-hating, Jew-bashing, uh, they're in the top three or four right. worst countries in the world. I don't like yeah, people central. like that. They're money-grubbing mm -hmm. uh, scumbags uh, in terms of their their uh, governance and their military and everything else, they can't live independently. Um, they need to steal money from others. And there's probably no country on earth that is more readily prostituting its women. So not my favorite place. Uh, Putin has got himself in quite a fix. Putin has over 100,000 troops on the border of the Ukraine. And he has uh, told the United States, they're there because of you. Not there because of the Ukraine. They're there because of you. You think that you can shoo Russia away from Cuba and the Cuban Missile Crisis because we had a military presence in America's backyard. And so uh, we agreed to remove those missiles with a commitment the United States would never invade Cuba. 
the United States has invaded the Ukraine. We've given them countless weapons. We want to make them part of NATO. And Russia said, no, we're not going to have a United States military presence and all your damn weapons in our backyard. So if you continue to do it, we're going to invade. And, of course, the United States, who uh, is the most hypocritical nation on Earth, says, na 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 if you invade, then we're going to put sanctions on you, bad boy. That's ridiculous. And then everybody wants to condemn Putin for being the bad guy when the belligerent here is the United States. We just have, as a people, no context. Now, the Russians aren't all that swell either. So <laughs> this is a funny uh, com- combination of things. Funny in a, in a pretty uh, weird way, but uh, what the heck, I'm kind of a weird uh, guy. So you have uh, Russia's uh, uh, ambassador. Uh, uh, the lead Russian, which is the dominant nation now in the Iranian nuclear talks. And he comes out, and, and even the media is just having a uh, uh, field day with him, saying that, oh, we finally have somebody that you know is willing to, to tell the unvarnished truth as to why um, we ought not be so worried about Iran and a nuclear bomb. He actually said, so what if Iran gets a nuclear bomb? Big deal. Why does it matter? Unless they have a ballistic rocket to put it in, they have no way to deploy it. And he says, we have no idea how far they are away from having a ballistic missile. So we should just all take a chill pill and not worry about it if they uh, develop a nuclear bomb. Guess what Iran did the next day? They launched, they launched a ballistic mm. missile. They claim, oh, we're doing satellite research. There's two satellites uh, in, in here. They're research satellites. What are they researching? Their ability to deliver a nuclear bomb? You know, they, they claim, oh, we put these satellites. Satellite means it's in orbit. Oh, we put these satellites up. They were well below the orbit necessary for a satellite. Uh, perfect for a ballistic missile. And it, you still have the idiots that write for the media say, but, but Iran says this nuclear program is for civilian purposes and they're not building a bomb. Oh, well, I hope it's idiots like that that are ground zero for the mushroom cloud that is uh, about to emerge. Because Yahweh is not going to allow a nuclear bomb to roast Israel. But it is likely a nuclear strike from Iran that is uh, going to imperil the world and bring it into World War III. But that was an interesting com- combination of statements to one day for the next. And no one has written a story that says, uh-oh, these talks are dead. France went on and said, oh, it's such a shame that as we were making such progress in our negotiations, they would do something like launch a ballistic missile. Yeah, right. We had a, an amazing, amazing thing that uh, happened um, this week. Yes. The most popular author in the Hasidic world, 
ultra-Orthodox Judaism. Those are the guys that walk around in the black morning suits, uh, have little curly Mm -hmm. cues on the side of their uh, head. Well, one of their rabbis is a a best-selling author, not to anybody with a brain, to other Hasidic Jews. Uh, And his name is Walder. And Walder writes books for Hasidic children. Because what life is miserable for them. So he writes books to help ease the pain. Well, he also had a psychiatric clinic that was associated with his yeshiva. Um, mm-hmm. I guess what he liked to do there? Rape little girls. So he has been accused by some 20 women of having raped them. And so... The chief rabbi, of course, these rabbis all love to be called chief rabbi because, you know, there was the chief priest and they want to steal everything that is yahed, corrupted for themselves. So the chief of the, and they have, by the way, about 47,000 chief rabbi positions because they got a chief rabbi of everything. But one particular chief rabbi, he is chief rabbi David Lau. He went and visited the Haredi ultra-Orthodox home of the dead author. Because you see, he committed suicide. Too embarrassing for him what he had done. So he committed suicide. He's a weasel on top of everything else. He committed suicide. So the chief rabbi said, this was my golden cow, man. We make money on everything. So we've got to figure out how we're going to keep the gravy train going. And he went to the widow's home, cut his deal. Never once did he say, uh, you know, it's tragic that uh, this band went so far and, and raped little girls. Never, never apologized for that. Never went and, uh, and said, uh, you know, I need to go and, and console the victims. No, because they were, they were women and rabbis hate women. No, didn't do any of that. He just went and he met with the uh, the widow and then left. These boys are scum, and I'm going to tell you, God hates them. The only chance that a Jew has to return to Yah is to walk away from Judaism. There is the possibility uh, that... Um, Yah's last witness will also be one of the two witnesses that will stand beside um, Elia in the last days. And based upon what is written in Yeshaya, um, they uh, – it's no more Mr. Nice Guy. You know, I always say, just use your words. If you don't have, your, don't have words, you can't make a good argument through words, then just get out of the way. Uh, there's no purpose – for fists or knives or guns unless you are defending your immediate family from immediate harm. Well, that's not the way it's going to be in in the end. God's going to extract Mm. recompense sevenfold. So there is a guy that uh, I would have no empathy for. His name is Abbas. He is now accusing Israel of organized terrorism and ethnic cleansing. This is the a-hole that uh, came up with the notion of pay for slay. He's the one that encourages 
Muslims to go terrorize Jews. He is the one who came up with this this stupid map that says, this was all, this was all Palestinian land. And those Jews, they took it from us, those dastardly Jews, of which the progressives in this country say, yeah, 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 we're stupid too. I mean, let's put aside the moment. There is no such thing as a Palestinian. There are none. That's a complete lie. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's actually worse than that. Do you know that um, there is absolutely no land that was uh, stolen, uh, by, taken by the Jews? That Arab leaders actually testified publicly under oath in 1937 as part of the Peel Commission. And universally, they stated categorically that no land was stolen from Arabs by the Zionists. The land that the Zionists received was all paid for by legal contracts. State lands and wastelands had been set aside for the Jewish population and were in the legal control of the colonial powers after World War I, and particularly not so Great Britain. Even the, the testimony of the Grand Mufti and others to Sir Laurie Hammond and his commissioners categorically verify that there was no land stolen. It's not their land. It was not stolen. And for what they have done in the perpetration of their lie, trying to take the land that belongs to the Jews away from them and terrorizing them in the process, should uh, these witnesses encounter those supporting this, it's likely they're going to roast them alive. And you might say, oh, no, 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 Yah's not a vicious God. That's just not going to happen. Bull. He is going to hold them accountable, recompense sevenfold. And so the only way he can be just to his people is to do this to not only the advocates of Islam, but also the leaders of Roman Catholicism, those who have promoted hate the Jew conspiracies, the progressives who are uh, anti-Jewish today. One of the things I forgot to mention about uh, coronavirus is that in China they have a new policy. It's called shaming. They uh, dress, uh, first they get a bunch of guys in in black outfits and uh, they look like stormtroopers, and then a bunch of them in white outfits uh, that look like, uh, well, zombies. And they stand on the left and right side of somebody also wrapped in a you know, completely in a, a, a white suit, white hood, white pants, white everything. Can't see their faces. So then they, but they, on their front and their back, they have like a four or five times larger than life picture of their face and then their name on their, and they prayed them down the street. And then they prayed them in cattle cars down uh, more streets. And the thing is, you're watching a country have these black and white troops. It looks like something out of the evil empire from uh, Star Wars. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah. then more black and white uh, uh, troops on the side of the road. But they set up grandstands for spectators. The, the streets are lined 
5, 10, 15, 20 people deep to watch this spectacle. We're talking about people so far removed from moral decency, it's even hard to fathom it. But that's, uh, that's what's happening in, in China. In uh, Lebanon, there's article after article now that says that uh, the country has been eviscerated by its financial crisis. No, that's not true. It has been eviscerated by its Islamic crisis. Mm-hmm. Hezbollah now controls it. Hezbollah has a singular goal, which is to use Iranian missile and uh, drone technology to destroy Israel and in the process Lebanon. Pretty darn amazing. So it is a uh, it's a crazy world out there. Things are going to get exceedingly bad for the chosen people. Um, Yahweh is waiting with open arms, but you've got a lot of explaining to do. If you're, uh, if you're a Jewish, you are our target audience. You're the people we're most interested in reaching. Uh, you're the people that Yahweh is most interested in reaching. But for you to engage in a relationship with them, you're going to have to leave rabbinic influence, in fact, renounce it. You're going to have to leave political parties and in Israel, which should be easy because there are 4,769 of them. Uh, and so, <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, good grief. You got, you, you, you've got a, a uh, prime minister now that formed his government by giving some $6 billion to uh, Islamic terrorists so that they would vote for him. I mean, think of how grotesquely immoral uh, that is. And it replaced a government that could have been as immoral as any Israel has ever had. And they've had some bad ones with Netanyahu bribing the Hasidic, the ultra-Orthodox Jews, to vote for him in forming a government uh, and bribing them in every which way. So this reads that... uh, Israel is still going to be exceedingly divided. Uh, Yahweh's list of political parties is a little shorter than than mine, uh, but uh, you get the point. Mm -hmm. Then the land and earth shall mourn with the nations and races, political and religious groups. This is Mishva'ak, Mishva'ak social and cultural identities with divided loyalties, families and clans, kingdoms and tribes, the common people and the aristocratic religious and political leaders. From my to question and Shafaf, lip service, their verbose speeches, by themselves boasting about their false prophets. That'd be their religious leaders. The popes, for example. The political and religious divisiveness, along with the social and social and cultural institutions, with their discordant rhetoric. Now, who says he can't talk? That's that sounds pretty sophisticated <laughs> How by itself, they? doesn't How it? Dare they? How discordant dare they? rhetoric. Well, yes, the House of Doge, also known as Israel. Isolated and by themselves, 
boasting about their religious leaders. Their women, ever prideful, mistaken, and by themselves. The political and religious divisiveness of the House of Nathan, which is the gifted family, by itself, and their women by themselves. The divided loyalties and growing schism of the House of Loy, priests, isolated by itself along with their wives by themselves, as well as the divisive and discordant rhetoric of Shimei, the descendants of Shimei, who was a Benjamite in the house of Shaul. He uh, is famous for having thrown rocks at doves, something Christianity and uh, Judaism do do quite uh, quite well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell you that is a... If you want to find a the fastest way to hell, if that should be your intent, throw rocks at Dode. Take Dode's title, Messiah and Son of God, and give them to someone else and see how God responds to you. Well, this is a multi-layered pronouncement, and I suspect that the Initial mention of Eretz in this context can be read as either the land, as in Israel, or the entire earth. Both are going to mourn, albeit for some of the same reasons. The world will be at war. Mankind has become ignorant and irrational. You can have a Ron launch a missile one day, and the day before you can say, eh, let them build a bomb, they don't have a missile. And you don't bother to come back the next day and say, oops, sorry about that. Maybe we ought to be alarmed. Mankind is just ignorant, irrational, religious, political, conspiratorial, militaristic. Currencies have been rendered worthless and the world's uh, economies are in shambles. Mishfaka is uh, equally adept at distinguishing between nations and races, political parties or religious institutions. These have run amok, not only in Israel, but elsewhere. Just as we have witnessed in America with the widening schism between liberal and conservative, which is at probably the greatest extreme in American history, Israel is uh, unable to establish a stable government. Now, some would say, oh, come on, you got a prime minister. He's been there for six months or so. How could you say that? They're one vote out of the coalition, and it's over. And six of the votes come by way of uh, a Muslim terrorist. And uh, on top of that, in recent polls, The party of the prime minister doesn't even get enough votes to uh, even be considered for the office. You have to have at least six seats. And right now, they're polling at four. Well, the majority party, Likud, is polling at around 36 seats. And yet, they have absolutely no influence in the government. Now, I'm not a Likud fan. I'm not political. I made a horrible mistake in thinking that uh, Netanyahu was a uh, a decent leader for uh, Israel. 
mainly because he's the only leader who had the courage to say there's no such thing as a Palestinian. Uh, and I had really no idea as to how extensively he had bribed the ultra-Orthodox religious to uh, get his position in power or just how overly fixated on his own personal enrichment and empowerment he was as opposed to his country's betterment. So Israel is in a horrible position in terms of its governance. Um, If you want to talk about lip service, divisive rhetoric, it's Israel. I came to the conclusion the other day, um, Mm -hmm. even my wife thought this might be extreme, uh, but I'm convinced it's true. The reason for anti-Semitism, the reason for conspiracy theories, the reason people believe that uh, the memoirs of the elders of Zion is really a, uh, a true story, the reason that the Holocaust happened, the reason there are so many derogatory images and statements said about Jews, is not actually the fault of Goyim, of right-wing wackos, of progressive liberals. No, it isn't. The reason is because of rabbis. And it's because the rabbis are exactly as they are stereotyped. Swindlers. Dishonest. Monsters, really. They are the reason that Jews have been slandered this way. It's your rabbis. They are pedophiles. They are child rapists. They are sucking the lifeblood out of the people and country. Swindlers. Everything that the caricatures have depicted. Israel, meet your enemy. It's your rabbis. Even look at the title. Oh, yeah, anti-Semitic. Rabbi. Yeah, yeah exalted. Yeah. Oh, that, yes, yes, I'm sorry, exalted one. Yeah. Yep. Well, the world should be ashamed. There is an ever-growing and yet completely unwarranted confidence. The boasting is derived from placing one's faith in false prophets or rabbis, as the case may be, and that has become particularly bad. And nowhere has blind faith in liars become more invasive than among the Haredi in Israel. In this regard, it is useful to know that the Haredi are uh, wholly dysfunctional. They lack everything other than the arrogance and, and religious indoctrination. They value nothing beyond their Babylonian Talmud which these incompetent and irrational nincompoops stupidly call the Torah. They're unemployable by design. A rabbinical plot to control every aspect of their their lives is to keep them ignorant and unemployable. They are in a religious ghetto, self-imposed. They become parasites who will do nothing but cry when the world comes crashing down 
around them. Their women have no rights and have become as useless as the men. But sadly, like Muslims, they breed like rabbits with the average of seven children per household. Currently, at 20% of Israeli Jews, they are doubling every 16 years. So upon Yahweh's return, a third of Israeli Jews will be unsalvageable and worthless, a blight on the house of doubt. They are, as Yahweh has predicted, isolated and divisive crybabies. Now, I'm sure that there are some covenant members and many others who would listen to this and say, that's the guy, he's just way too out of touch with political correctness, way too pejorative, way too critical, way too demeaning. He has no respect for uh, the religion or the people. He's being uh, anti-Semitic. No, I am probably the foremost lover of Shem, Yahweh's name, on earth. There is no one. Yeah, there's no one on this planet who has invested more time trying to reach out and save Yehudim, Jews. No one. The problem here is that that Jews have done this to themselves. They have made themselves uh, ignorant. And they, the rabbis have done a masterful job of doing something that's incredibly stupid. They have equated being Jewish with the religion and not with the ethnicity. Uh, a rabbi will be writing a, uh, an opinion piece, and he says, you know, by telling you that uh, no Jew is going to end up in hell and, and uh, that uh, only Goyim are going to end up in hell, we're not being uh, xenophobic or, uh, or racist. No, 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 because anyone can convert to Judaism. What an idiot. Judaism has nothing to do with the ethnicity of Jews. God is calling his people home. That is the ethnicity, the race of Israelites and Jews, Yehudim, while completely excluding Judaism. Personally, I share Yahweh's disgust for them, which is why I'm glad that they no longer learn English. They, the Haredi masters, the rabbis, are so afraid of losing control, they will not allow anyone in the Haredi community to have access to the Internet, to have access to a cell phone that will connect them with the Internet, to even give them an access to a cell phone that will allow them to dial a rape or pedophile helpline or spousal abuse line. They are given what's called a kosher phone that has all of those numbers blocked and no access to a book like series like Yada Yawa. Personally, um, I don't think there's any hope for them. Secular uh, Israelis have uh, heard more than enough of their demeaning and condescending rhetoric and will not continue to support their nasty habits. 
The creation of the religious welfare state is the dirty secret of Benjamin Netanyahu, who was particularly fond of both receiving and offering bribes. And he bribed the rabbis to garner their votes so that uh, he could become prime minister. And the dysfunctional parliamentary system of the Israeli governance. If there ever was a place for mishpa'ak, yeah, political and religious divisiveness and discordant rhetoric, an unsurmountable chasm between working men and women and the hopelessly religious, it is in Israel today. The Hasidic Haredim have bad, isolated themselves by boasting about their religious leaders. They are separated and still prideful with unwarranted confidence placing their faith in that which is untrue. Now, stop a moment. Mm -hmm. If this rhetoric bothers you, if me holding rabbis accountable, telling you what they really are, me holding the religion of Judaism accountable, telling you what it really is, is bothersome, then go away. Yahweh is not going to get along with you either. Yahweh is is openly condemning of Judaism. Uh, Torah, prophets, and Psalms are literally filled with condemnation of Judaism and of rabbis in particular. And at this time, in this culture, is when he's condemning them. And so if you don't like me because I'm condemning Judaism and rabbis, this for sure as hell you're not going to like Yahweh because he does so aggressively. And one of the things that Yahweh says of his last witness is that he's going to follow a father's example and be overtly condemning of the rabbis and of the Jewish religion. It's not the only bad religion on earth. You know, we've gone out of our way. The four volumes of uh, Questioning Paul will certainly dissuade you from being a Christian if you read them. Uh, Prophet of Doom and its thousand pages will certainly preclude you from being a Muslim if you'll read it. Well, we are an um, equal opportunity hater when it comes to religion. And there's probably nothing more loving you can do in life and hate than hating, hating yeah. religion and yeah. uh, liberal politics and conspiracy. Those are the worst influences in the world today. So we have Yahweh saying things about the house of Dod, Israel, that they are isolated and by themselves, placing their faith in their deceitful religious leaders. But what are we to make about the house of Nathan? Why would he bring up a house of Nathan? There was, there's no tribe called Nathan. Here we have two choices. On the positive side, we have a prophet, a man who actually intervened between Dode and Yahweh during the king's decline and mental acuteness. He brought us one of the most important and misunderstood prophecies ever recorded. It is the prophecy that without it, we're not here. It is the prophecy that began translation is the prophecy that um, 
started me to question everything. Samuel 2, 2 Samuel 7, is uh, Nathan's conversation with Yahweh um, on Dode's behalf. Uh, it is, to my mind, the single most misunderstood, the single um, most important prophecy ever recorded. Those who understand it know the who, what, when, and why, as well as the past and the future. They know what's going to happen. And then there was the Nathan who was Dode's son. This Nathan was the fourth born to Bathsheba and the 11th overall. But other than being listed among Dode's progeny, nothing is said of him. And yet we know that the seed of Bathsheba is tainted. The way Dode acquired her hand in marriage was exceedingly offensive to Yahweh in that he sent a good man off to uh, war, expecting him to die, wanting him to die to take his wife. Their firstborn died as a result. Then before he could be named, the second died. Um, oh, should be, I should, their firstborn died before he could be named. The second mm-hmm. actually was <laughs> second actually was Solomon. Talk about a guy that started off well and ended poorly. Um, and to a large degree, the thing that brought Solomon down was the very thing he said he didn't want. I, he told Yah, I want wisdom. And God said, listen, because you've said you wanted wisdom, I'm going to give you everything else, including uh, a long length of days and riches. Well, as Solomon became richer, he uh, decided that um, more wives were better than fewer wives and had such a collection of them. And he was a... Um, uh, an international connoisseur. Uh, so his foreign wives all had foreign gods, and uh, so he didn't end his life very well. But the second born uh, was uh, Solomon, whose lust for power, wealth, and women proved um, enormously corrupting. And that bad is divisive and uh, isolating. Perhaps it is this very distinction of the... This, of the product of a prophet or the effect and lust of, uh, of a man that was contemptible. And it's comparing the difference between these things, such as the mishpach, ah, divided loyalties of the house of Nathan. There were two other names in this uh, prophecy. Uh, again, they provide a contrast considering what they represent. Yahweh chose the Loe to serve his people. Their role was to help everyone understand the Torah and to capitalize effectively on the Moed Mikre. Their purpose was ultimately negated, not by God, but instead by the wiles of men. The priests became corrupt, something which became especially apparent during the row between Jezebel and Elijah. And they were better off dead. And next, rabbis would replace them, claiming their authority for themselves. Shimei started off badly and then became 
uh, duplicitous. He was known for throwing dirt into the air and stones at, uh, at Dode. He was like the raving wild man uh, that we would normally associate with the house of uh, Benjamin. And he came from the same stock as King Shaul, as well as the wannabe prophet uh, and apostle Shaul, Paul. In him we see Shaul, Paul, who did far worse than cloud the air while uh, uh, seeking the demise of Dode. He wrote and spoke the most duplicitous and divisive mishvaach religion and political rhetoric conceivable. He was bad, arrogant, and dishonest, writing letters inspiring gospels which would lead directly to a showdown between the Benjamite and the and Yahweh's Loi on Kippurim. So that's a lot from that particular passage. And it's one of many where you can look at it from a lot of different angles. And many of them are true simultaneously. Did you take any of the words in particular, uh, Kirk, or has it uh, been a uh, been a long week? I think uh, there and uh, <laughs> it's been it's, it's been that yeah, uh, this uh, Miss Baca, because it appeared several times in twelve and also in here. Mm-hmm. And I was looking it up just to see what it says, as, as I generally do in all the different sources. And of course, it's um, clan or family, but it's Israel. I mean, in the context of what he's talking about. And then, as most of the uh, most of the sources I use, they'll say this is related to this, and see the verb, and such, etc. Such. And there's actually six words counting miswaka, and uh, one of them is uh, shipa, ship, ship. <laughs> I'm terrible on this term. Shipaka, which mm-hmm. is uh, unmarried maidservant. And um, I looked at that and I said, okay, the first one is Israel, the family. The second one is an unmarried maidservant. And I thought to myself, well, how does that relate to Israel? Well, Yahweh divorced him. Mm-hmm. The second one I found was Shabaha, which is um, to be swept bare, to wind sweep, sweep to uh, blow away. Nations uh, destroyed the land of Israel, assaulted uh, it. You can't get much worse than what the Romans did. Mishpok. Uh, that means the flow of blood or bloodshed. I mean, no one, uh, the Goy, I don't call them nations, the Goyim, uh, mostly they massacred them in great numbers on every uh-huh. opportunity. The next one associated with that word is Mishpaha, which is uh-huh. the hay at the end of it. And it means to be veiled and to spread out. Veiled, I took that to mean and, or interpreted. It's just my interpretation. They were sent away and the spore, they were spread out, sent away carried away, and they were also hidden away when they got to places like uh, Rome. They were put in, um, put in um, uh, one spot, and they had to stay there. And usually it was a disgusting place to live. And then mm-hmm. the other one was Shifakiok, uh which is a scab, but it's also um, something that spreads out all by itself rather than be sown. It's a seed that grows uh, that's in a, in also a disease. Well, the disease, of course, is religion. And uh, mm-hmm. it was just interesting that uh, there's that much in one word. Mm-hmm. In and a I word. expect everybody to fall in love with that like that, that. But, I mean, you've got so much already written here mm-hmm. just to absorb and learn it. But it's yeah. interesting that it's, it's – I do it to verify things and also to see what I can yeah. discover. And it's just, wow, yeah. another wild yeah. moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, so speaking of both scabs and religion, 
mm-hmm. tonight is uh, is um, uh, Janice Eve. Uh, Janice yes. is the uh, god of duplicity and of uh, of um, beginnings scales. and endings, yeah. and uh, and uh, Rome, of which the the day is uh, uh, January. The month was uh, was named. Uh, I think it was uh, Steve that was writing in the chat room earlier this morning that uh, it is from uh, Janice that we get the English word uh, anus, and uh, it's exceedingly appropriate for Romans. There are, uh, there were, and are lots of uh, anuses uh, in Rome. That's easily the most despicable civilization in human history. Um, and the one that grew out of it, out of Imperial Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, being probably the most menacing institution in all of uh, time. Uh, and so that is what uh, this evening uh, is. Um, uh, my guess is that there's no one that's part of uh, this community that celebrates the, uh, the Roman gods uh, uh, day. And even the idea of a New Year's Day is wholly uh, inconsistent with Yahweh. Uh, his new year begins in the, uh, the month of Abib. It is known for the uh, first light of renewing light on, the, on a moon, closest to the time that uh, barley is still green and growing and receptive in the, uh, the ear of the, uh, of the plant. That essentially is the um, new moon, uh, just the first sliver after a new moon. Uh, closest to the vernal equinox would be the best way to figure the, the time today. Uh, that would be uh, the first month of the year. He does not have a New Year's Day celebration, of course. Um, Jews do, of course. The uh, Judaism has a New Year's Day. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. they, they go with the Babylonian head of the year, Rosh Hashanah, replacing Yahweh's uh, Teruah. Uh, they have no idea that Teruah is their last hope. We are Teruah. You know, when, you know, so many people want to know, well, when is the Teruah harvest is going to, uh, to come? That ought not be the question you're asking. It's how can we fulfill Teruah? Um, what we're doing tonight is the living embodiment of the fulfillment of Teruah. isn't so much that, that harvest. It is what we are doing now. And Teruah is to openly condemn the things that are hostile and that are leading people away from Yahweh, and then to announce the good news, particularly to Yisrael and Yahudah, um, that uh, Yahweh is calling you back home, that he has a name, that he has a plan, that he has a way, and he wants you to reject the way of man and embrace his. That is the fulfillment of uh, Teruah. It's one of the reasons why Teruah is the only one of Yahweh's seven Moed Mikre where we don't have a specific date. Yeah, it's going to, the, the harvest part of it's going to occur likely in 2029 on, mm-hmm. uh, on Teruah in 2029. But that truly is irrelevant. I mean, it really is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. What's relevant is that we are Teruah now. We're fulfilling Teruah. Our exodus doesn't fulfill Teruah. No, no it just seems it. 
there is no benefit of uh, of openly condemning Judaism and Israeli politics and advocating the Torah about us being swept off the planet. We're to ruin now. This is the fulfillment of it. And we have perhaps just seven years left to accomplish that mission. Well said. So here is the, uh, a recap of, of what um, we have been considering in terms of this, the 12th chapter of, um, of Zachariah. And remember now, every word of Zachariah serves one purpose, to describe the events before and immediately after, as well as during Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippurim is the single most important today, not only annually with Yahweh, but the fulfillment of it in year 6,000 Yah is the single most important day in his entire existence. This is the day that he is reunited with his people. So the entire book is devoted to it. And that's not uncommon. If you look... Yashia is uh, is becoming a very simple book, even though it is enormously long, even though the vocabulary is the most complex uh, read uh, anywhere. But the book of Yashia is very much like Zachariah. Yashia means Yahweh saves, Zachariah means remember Yah. Uh, and the message of uh, Yashia is Religion sucks. God damn religion. Because my people suck because they are religious and I can't relate to them and I had to reject them and walk away from it, I couldn't find a single one of my people who wasn't either religious or political and so there was not a single person I could work through. I had to resort to working with a goy. Imagine that. And so, you know, he's, he's a goy, so I had to give him all seven spirits. I was going to make it even a goy functional. And from that point on, it's all about three topics. What this goy does to educate and awaken God's people. how unbelievably stubborn and counterproductive a huge percentage of God's people remain even until the end. And then finally, Yahweh's return with Dod and how the day of return, Yom Kippur, is uh, very much like the word that... um, that is used in conjunction with it, the verb anah. Uh, Yahweh's return is, is a celebration of anah because on the positive side for those who will listen to what God is trying to convey to you, anah means to reply, to answer. And it's you're answering the invitation God has issued on this day. But anah also means to afflict 
and there's going to be enormous amounts of, uh, of um, affliction. Every goy that came to attack Israel is going to be destroyed instantly. The religious on the earth. So here's, let's read the 12th chapter. This is the prophetic pronouncement of Yahweh's word concerning Yisrael. Yahweh who spread out and curbed the universe and established the earth and who shaped the impulse for the spirit inside of Adam, humankind, predicts, behold, I am preserving Jerusalem as the threshold and doorway of a reeling and staggering intoxication for all of the surrounding people and also for those against Yahudah. This will exist during the siege, the methodical confining and process of surrounding the city and blocking off access during this time of trouble against Jerusalem, the source of instruction on reconciliation. It shall be during this time that I will cause Jerusalem to be an unmovable stone and difficult challenge for all the people. Everyone who attempts to move it will lacerate and impale themselves. And yet Gentiles from every ethnicity, nation, religion, and place on earth will gather against it. Boy, sometimes we just can't seem to get out of our own way. Don't get it. No. Yep. During that time, Yahweh declares prophetically, I will strike and destroy every fast-moving flying weapon of war by confusing the drivers, causing them to be irrational and erratic. So for the sake of the house of Yahuda, I will keep my eyes open. And therefore, every one of these people, the people's fast-moving and flying weapons of war, I will afflict with the inability to see. Then the close friends and lovers of Yahweh will use their best judgment to say, for me, those who live and remain in Jerusalem are supported and empowered, strengthened, equipped, and enabled by Yahweh, their God, and his conscripts who assist. In that day, I will cause the close friends, related family, and lovers of Yahudah, the beloved of Yah, to be like a flaming rostrum in the, uh, the timbers, and like a blazing torch among the stalks of fallen grain. And they will devour them to the right and to the left, enveloping all of the surrounding armies and peoples, while Jerusalem shall continue to be inhabited now and forevermore. Succeeding with one thing logically following another through time, all in Jerusalem. Yahweh will rescue and deliver, save and protect, Yahudah's homes and households, first and foremost, and in the final phase, so that the honor and glory of the house of Dod and the splendor of the inhabitants of Jerusalem are not surpassed by Yahudah. On that day, Yahweh will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he 
will have their backs. You know, there's only one group of people being talked about here. God's coming mm-hmm. back for his people, Yisrael, Yahudah. You'll notice right. that there's only one God, and his name sure as hell ain't yeah. Jesus Christ. He is That's not, right. he ain't Allah either. No. It was modeled after Satan. He's most certainly not the founding fathers of the United States of America. Uh, hardly. No. Yes. Correct. He ain't, he ain't a mm-hmm. pope. Nope. Mm-hmm. His name is Yahweh. And you either know him as Yahweh or you do not know him. It's one of the impediments of the rabbis is they will not speak, they will not write, they will not acknowledge Yahweh's name. And yet they claim to speak for a God whose name they despise. Yes. In that day, Yahweh will defend the inhabitants of Yerushalayim. He will have their backs and it will exist that the wavered, weak need among them, that day will be likened unto Dode. And the house of Dode will be like God, similar to a spiritual implement and heavenly messenger of Yahweh in their appearance. <laughs> Can you imagine? What he's saying is, listen, yeah, there, I mean, I, I, light. I regret it. There, there are some tough-as-nails uh, Israelis. Uh, there's some women that could kick my behind uh, every way from the, the Shabbat uh, and the IDF. So I'm not going to kid you. They, obviously, the IDF has some tough defensive uh, soldiers. Um, but for the most part, particularly the, the rabbinical types, the little curly cues, they have hands that you can see have never done any work. And uh, God's saying that, listen, it, it's kind of bad what we've become. You look at Tel Aviv, I think it's the highest percentage of, uh, of homosexuals anywhere in the world. Got nothing against homosexuals, but most homosexuals are not big brawny dudes. Um, God is saying that even the smallish, more feminine of Israelites as they exist today, they're going to be likened unto dough. They're not going to be wish-washy. God likes strong men. He likes strong women. He likes men and women who will stand up, be accountable. They're not afraid to represent him, to condemn those things which are opposed to his people. God prefers strength, not meekness. He didn't say... It's going to be so wonderful because they're all going to be as meek as Dode. Well, they're going to be likened unto Dode, and the house of Dode will be like God, similar to a spiritual implement and heavenly messenger. And it will come about at that time that I will seek to hold responsible and thus accountable, thereby choosing to decimate, to exterminate, all of the Gentiles who have come against Jerusalem. And I will pour out upon the house of Dode and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of genuine mercy, of compassion, loyal love, and favorable acceptance, pleading for clemency and forgiveness. 
So they will look upon me whom they by association have pierced, and they will lament, being exceedingly emotional over him, as one shrieks when reunited with someone special, making the family whole, anguished over him as one despairs over a firstborn. At that time, the shrieks, the shouts, will be loud and mournful in Jerusalem and will be like the outcry of Hadad Rimnon in the valley of Megiddo, the gathering, invading, penetrating, and attacking of, of innumerable troops. Then the land and the earth shall mourn with the nations and races, political and religious groups, by themselves boasting about their false prophets, the political and religious divisiveness, along with the social and cultural institutions of the House of Dote, which is Israel. Isolated by themselves, boasting regarding their religious leaders with their undue confidence, their women ever prideful and mistaken, by themselves, the political and religious dissension and discordant rhetoric of the house of Dathan by itself and their women by themselves and the divided loyalties and growing schism of the house of Loe isolated and by itself along with their wives and by themselves and also the disruptive and contentious prose of the Shimei, the Benjamites of the house of Shaul through rocks at Dode separated and mistaken by themselves along with their wives. It's a time of great divisiveness. It's a time like no other. It's a uh, a last call. This time it's not a bar. This is the, the door to life. It is the last time any Jew is going to hear God's voice calling out to them to come out of Babylon, to come home. That's uh, time to turn the page. We, uh, we have, I think there's five chapters in the Moed volume there devoted are. to the Purim. And I, I you know, might say, you know, why would you call this one of the three best of the, I guess you have now 21 books is what we have that have been rewritten. Now, why would you call this then the, the top three? And I, I think it is because it was our coming out party and our overt condemnation of Judaism. Mm-hmm. We had gradually woven that into the, the rewrites, but it comes full flower here. Second is that there are two days every year that are exceedingly important. Chag Matzah and uh, Kippurim. Chagmatsa is the day that is most important to us. It's the day that we're perfected by our God so we can be adopted into his family. And it is Kippurim that's the most important day to Yahweh where he gets to reconcile his relationship with his wayward family. And so this whole volume is incredibly meaningful to us uh, because it's focused on the day that's the happiest day in all of Yahweh's history. 
So this is Kapuram Chapter 4 in Volume 6, Moed of Appointments Coming Home. More than anything, Yahweh wants his people to know the truth. It is the only cure for that which ails them and the only way to survive the outright onslaught which is headed their way. I'm going to share uh, Zechariah 13. What I'm going to have to uh, to uh, I'll go to sleep uh, after uh, after I do this. My uh, sure. uh, one, I, of the, uh, one of the one of the since I'm my, my mind's not working all that well, I'm not quite aware of how many. Uh, gaffes and blunders I have made uh, this evening, so maybe I have made so many I should have stopped a, a while ago. No, no. <laughs> but my no, my issue right now is, is my right eye. The uh, uh, oh, One wow. of the symptoms is um, uh, is the severe headache, but another is exceedingly irritated eyes. And my right eye yeah, in particular is, is so uh, raw and, uh, and sore. Hmm that um, um, at this point, it's like I have sandpaper in it. And so to read is, is difficult. I will tell you that for somebody that says, all right, all right, you know, you, you've got God making all these promises to you. How in the world do you let you get sick? Oh, this was, a, this was a godsend. And first of all, the first three days I had it, my head was, was so bad. And, you know, I knew I had to go into isolation. Two of the most productive days I've had in a long time. In fact, we finished volume two of ITG because of, uh, of the uh, actually three days of absolute um, isolation. So it was a very focused time where I could spend all day on it and I, no one could bother me for any reason. Uh, so it was actually a productive time. Uh, the second part of it is that um, enduring pain like everybody else uh, builds character. It builds fortitude. You know, it's to have a life uh, of no pain, of no suffering, of um, of not having the the tush sore at the end of the day. Because, well, I sat in the chair for ten or twelve, fourteen hours. Uh, that's part of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's pushing through and knowing that the time is short and there's a job to do. If it was all puffery all the time then what's the big deal? What would you be accomplishing? What, you know, so you're going to have aches and pains. You know, it's, it's, it goes with the course. It's also why eternity is going to be so wonderful. So we, we should not worry about um, the, uh, the things that come along our way. So God is the only cure for the illness that really matters which is religion. And the world's going to turn against his people. Uh, God's the answer. This is Zechariah 13.1, and we're going to call good night after this. All right. During that day, there will be a resource opened eliciting a response. Makor Patak, a fountain and wellspring which is released, flowing for all to hear and respond for the house of Dote and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem to reconcile having been misdirected and wrong 
and to purge the detestable corruption. The previous chapter was dode this, dode that, wasn't it? Everybody's mm-hmm. going to be as bold as, and courageous as dode. And here we begin again, the next chapter. It's a unique spirit is being poured out on the house of dode. It is astonishing that Christians could carry this around in the book of Zechariah and not figure out that obviously it's Dode that is returning. Obviously that Dode is the central figure in, uh, in God's overall relationship with humankind means it's not Jesus. And that obviously Jesus is not the king of kings who is coming back. There's no second coming of Jesus Christ. It always has been, always will be, dote. Yeah, they didn't even change it in their Bibles. Yeah, here's the, yeah here is the, <laughs> the, the second to last of the prophets, and he's not fixated on Moshe. He's not hmm. fixated on, uh, on, on Christianity, for God's sake. No, he's fixated on the house of Dode, which is... Yisrael, and this one individual man that represents the living embodiment of the covenant. He is the expression of what the Torah does for us. He is what God loves. He was passionate. He was articulate. He was brilliant. He was Torah observant. He defended Yisrael against all adversaries. He wrote the most beautiful songs ever sung. This is God's man. So during that day, there will be... Wow. My eye is, uh, is clouding over. A resource opened eliciting a response, which is the thing we want more than anything. We want the house of Dode. Yehudim and Yisraelites, Israelis and Jews. We want a door opened. We want a resource opened, eliciting a response for the house of Dod and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem to reconcile, having been misdirected and wrong, and to purge the detestable corruption. God is looking for Dod to come back and do two things put himself in the position of the final harvest and then a second to eradicate all those that will harm his people. It is, again, the ultimate fulfillment of Teruah and his doubt that will be doing it. Well, folks, I do have to uh, bid you uh, tonight. Uh, uh, probably the, uh, well, certainly among the very few radio programs that has been broadcast by somebody with COVID. So uh, at least, you, you know, we're willing to play, to play injured because this is important, uh, what we're uh, sharing. And, um, uh, and you also know that, that with as much fear and concern as there has been out there, particularly with the 300% increase in the number of people who are infected and government having mm-hmm. no credibility and no solution, that um, Israel, which is the test case for all of these things, is made the announcements that I shared earlier in the program that 
um, Omicron could be the great gift of, uh, of God uh, to save his people and humankind as a, a whole out of all of the horrible malfeasance we have perpetrated on ourselves with this virus. Uh, Omicron, I am hopeful the first sign seems to indicate uh, that it is so infectious that we're going to reach herd immunity and uh, we uh, and it's not going to kill a lot of people in the process additional people in the process and that we will finally um, be done with this now interesting i was reading a uh, or seeing actually it was, a, it was a show and i was eating dinner tonight and it showed uh, uh, fauci's counterpart on uh, and i don't think from the cdc but the national institute of health and there was this petition that was signed by some 900 of the of America's leading uh, scientists, virologists, and and uh, professors, uh, all that were experts in uh, virology, and mm-hmm. and they basically said uh, that uh, you do not combat a virus by depriving people of their freedom. You don't combat a virus by depriving people of their livelihood. You do not uh, defeat a virus by locking people up. Um, And that those things will destroy the economy. And if you destroy the economy, we have no hope of recovery. Because it's what has to pay for it. Uh, And that just don't do these kinds of things. Here's the science. What they're trying to do is, uh, is wrong. And, and so the, uh, the Fauci-esque man from the National Institute of Health said that was pseudoscience because anything that conflicts with the politicized science is pseudoscience. Their opinion, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, um, that these people are, uh, are heartless. They don't care about your lives. That if we were to take their approach, hundreds of thousands of people would die. So now that there's been almost 900,000 Americans have died and we took the other approach, what does that say about the other approach? Hmm. And these egomaniacs don't ever bother to apologize. Well, anyway, um, apologies uh, are a good thing, I think. Um, You know, I'm... I've spent the last two years, and I'll spend another year rewriting Yada Yada. Uh, the entire uh, series will have 27 books, I believe, before we're done. And a lot of it was to correct mistakes that I had made. Um, I had um, been way too Christian-oriented in my condemnation and should not have been. I was way too uh, partial to... Uh, Yosha as the Passover lamb, and I, I miss the fact that uh, that uh, we don't shouldn't be celebrating his life at all. That it's those that God cares about and celebrates, and that we can learn from, and and so it's uh, that is what we're doing. That's why I've rewritten the books, and it's turned out to be such a uh, sounds blessing. Sounds like a a religious term no, but for, uh, makes, for girls. Makes, it, makes me happy. I'm yeah, it is. You read it, you read it now. Yeah, I'm picking it up constantly yeah. and just first the the, unif- the unified theme is gorgeous. Uh, Leo was right. It, we are much better off 
with a consistent theme all the way through. And all 27 mm -hmm. books will have the exact same theme. But everything from the pagination to the, the margin sets to the uh, layout of it, uh, the back cover cup, it's really well done. And uh, yeah. the insights and the translations are so mm -hmm. much better and the insights are, are so profound. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not tooting my horn. I'm tooting the Iowa's horn. No. It, it is really an astonishing it. yeah, read. It's, it's amazing what's revealed. <laughs> yes. And so correcting one's mistakes turns out to have been a, the, perhaps the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And um, I say I've ever done. We have quite a team that's doing it. And uh, yeah. as I was sharing with Jackie before the show, Yawa is very happy. Um, he's a proud papa. Um, together we wow. have done well for his people and for him. Well, happy Shabbat. Um, for those who were offended by my critique of uh, rabbis and Judaism, I would encourage you to, uh, to read uh, the three uh, volumes on the Mikre, uh, the harvest, uh, and then on the appointments, followed by an introduction to God, one and two. And once you've done that, um, if you still want to defend rabbinic Judaism, uh, then um, um, I don't think there is, I don't think it's possible to read those volumes and still defend the evil that has become rabbinic Judaism. Mm -hmm. So with that note, um, let the facts fall where they may. Um, I'm going to be with Yahweh. I hope you will be too. May Yah bless. Happy sure. Shabbat to one and all. Good night. Yeah, shalom, shalom, friend. Good night. Good night.